guys. We're here for a new segment. I think we're going to call it Terror on a Track. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I guess I'll introduce the segment before I introduce the new guests. So what this basically is, is it's going to be an 80s horror film. I know, I know. Everybody's like, 80s horror films are, we're tired of them. They're oversaturated. <laughs> Synth music in every horror movie you've ever seen coming out in the last 20 years. We get it. But... We both love 80s horror movies, and my, my friend here loves 80s music. So, mm-hmm. essentially what it's going to be is I'm going to... We're both going to review an 80s horror film. Now, my co-host here is much younger, so he might not have seen every 80s horror movie that I've seen. That's but true. But what he does <laughs> know a lot about is 80s music, which I know here and there the hits, but I don't have the in-depth knowledge that he does. So... We're going to watch an 80s horror film, probably a popular one or one that we both enjoy quite a bit or one of us does, and then we're going to pair it up with the song, and he's going to pick the song. I do not know the reasoning why he picked a song until the show. So uh, that's basically what we're going to do. I'm going to talk to Brandon here, my guest, and introduce him and everything like that, ask him some questions so you guys get to know him, and then we'll be on our way. So okay, want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Brandon. Um, I run a Instagram page basically where I uh, go to different malls, dress up like it's the 80s, take pictures, put stereotypical uh, mall sounding music, so think like Kenny G, like hold music saxophone type of stuff, uh, you know, things you hate hearing on the phone, but I love it. Um, and I put a filter over it um, and I uh, mix it like a VHS tape basically, it's all wavy and everything. Um, and I call it Nostalgia Mall 1987. Um, outside of doing that, like you said earlier, I am obsessed with the 80s, uh, especially uh, 80s music, like encyclopedic knowledge. Um, just love it. I love all of it. <laughs> and yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'll ask questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, what are some of your favorite 80s horror movies, 80s non horror movies, stuff like that? Okay, so um, not 80s horror movies. I love um, anything that is basically an 80s teen movie. So um, I'm talking like Breakfast Club, 16 Candles. Um, who is the director of that? Who makes all those movies? I, See, now he's not a movie expert. So I'm not a movie expert. Please do not. Um, I know John what it Hughes. is. John Hughes. Yeah. Duh. I knew that. Weird I just science, can't. Yeah, I knew it was John yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. All those type of movies. Um, my all-time favorite movie is Heather's. Uh, that, I believe, is from 1989. Yes. Um, Jeremy, another person that's always on the show, yes. is also his favorite movie. And that's all, we, that's all we reference all day long. All day long. You'll never be around them. It's yes. just Heather's references all day. Um, some of my favorite horror movies from the 80s. Um, my favorite all-time, hands down, is Chopping Mall. Completely mobile, user-friendly, and absolutely fail-safe. But something is going wrong. I mean, of course it is. It's a chopping mall, and I do the mall stuff. Of course it's of my course, favorite. Of course, um, Other than that, I really love The Fog. I love um, all, like, um, I also really love, oh, what's another one I really like? Um, we talked about this earlier. Uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, it's in the first one. I love the fourth one. Um, I have seen so many. Yeah, yeah. That, but I've also seen some that are, like, so, like, not, like, major, like, you know, like... So I remember whatever, you yeah. mentioned you like The Burning. The Burning, player. yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that yeah, up. That's, yeah. a, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, so, yeah. And I have a lot. I, I always forget the titles. Yeah, as far as music is concerned, what are some of your favorite 80s music, musical artists and bands and stuff like so that? So, definitely into 80s pop music. So, uh, number one, hands down, Stacey Q. I need you, I need you. Two hearts, two hearts, two hearts, yeah. Yeah. 
I just saw her in concert. Um, I mean, like, classics like Madonna, of course, and Wham, and, and bands like that, but I really love everyone. Uh, I listen to a lot of, um, also, like, Gloria Estefan, and, uh, so like I said, a lot of 80s pop music. You're not um, into, like, the metal, like but, Metallica and see, stuff. Are you familiar with Metallica at all? Yes, I am. So, like, I do like rock, too. I like, well, one of my favorite bands is Foreigner. They yeah. got a little more pop in the 80s they than they did rock. They were 70s and 80s, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, I love Heart. Love yeah, Heart. I love a great band. Pat Benatar, yes, I love Def Leppard. That's not how you pronounce that. Def Leppard. Def Leppard. This one, yes. this show might be a little <laughs> more tipsy than some of the other shows. No, too. I was. <laughs> no, I don't mean you. I just mean in general because I've had a couple too. So, yeah, you like a lot of like the regular stuff, but you also yes. have an obscure knowledge of I stuff do. that I've never heard of, and I'm yeah. mostly a, a fairly down the line like I 80s do. Music yeah, guy. I do know some obscure music. I also listen to a lot of music that's like not from the United States or necessarily in English. I know a lot of stuff from Japan from the 80s. I know a lot of stuff from uh, like Mexico and Puerto Rico, and I know things from Russia, and I know things from France and Germany. Excuse me, Russia? I'm, uh, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. At the time, canceled. it was USSR. It's I know, a I know. Little different. Oh, also, oh yeah, might even knowledge. be worse. Fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. But I do know... I do know some things. From, I know things from yeah. all around the country. I mean, country, the world. The world. So, yeah. um, world music, which will come in handy if we mm-hmm. cover anything from different countries, which we probably will. I don't know how frequent these are going to be because it's hard to get together. We might eventually have to do these over Zoom, which is a possibility. Mm-hmm. It'd just be much easier. Uh, so, basically, the movie we're going to do first is a bona fide classic. Um, being old like myself, I've seen it a hundred times. It was a video store classic. And, um, yeah, uh, the movie is 1984's Wes Craven's, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Iconic movie by an iconic director, one of the movies that put him on the map along with Last House on the Left, and then eventually Scream. It's just, uh, you know, a classic, and Brandon hadn't seen it, uh, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So we had to start with Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a wonderful film. So I guess we're going to talk a little bit about Nightmare on Elm Street in general. I mean, I don't want to do all the little, like, little pop culture references like just sure. a little tidbits of information that everybody yeah. knows like yeah. i was telling you during it you know like yeah. lynchade oh that's the producer's sister all this yeah. kind of stuff in there freddie krueger got his name in special ways that yes. stuff is all very yes. easy to find in your movie database but in general like everybody knows it's a classic so when you come to like talk about a classic you you worry you're not gonna be able to say anything different than what anybody else says like right remember in jaws when the guy talks about <laughs> the rocking chair it's just it, it hits that point where yeah. you turn in the chris farley show mm-hmm. but as far as the nightmare on elm street is concerned i think Wes Craven was conceptually one of the strongest guys. He was one of the guys that always swung for the fences, and he either missed horribly, Hills Have Eyes 2, which I don't think is as bad as a lot of people say, but it's still not a hit, or the chiller, or he, he knocked it out of the park, Nightmare on Street, Scream, you know, Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left. I think these movies are uh, culturally important, or they're just iconic. And the, not only is Nightmare on Elm Street endlessly interesting because the movie's a great film as well, the character of Freddy Krueger had such a long street fucking yeah. everything mm-hmm. and growing up in the 80s I grew up born in 86 but growing up in the early 90s Freddie was everywhere Freddie had mm-hmm. infomercials Freddie had a TV yeah. show Freddie was basically fucking selling Doritos once again foolish friends Freddie Krueger is on your phone dial this number now I've got some tales to tell Freddie's favorite bedtime stories <laughs> dead time stories so basically what is your first impression on Nightmare on Elm Street watching it 
Um, so I absolutely loved it. Okay, yeah. so I have always been a little hesitant to watch it simply because I have nightmares all the time. So I'm like, I don't want to horror movie about nightmares. That's too real. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's the safety about horror movies. Like, it's not real, but that's a little too real for me. But um, but I absolutely loved it. And like, there, the thing I found comfort in '80s horror movies is that like a lot of them I can watch because they're not scary per se to today's standards. Um, but personally, me, I, I find them scarier. A lot of them, but unless we're getting an Ari Aster who just tries true. to kill you. I mean, but like that movie genuinely freaked me out, and I love that. That movie can yeah. hold up like that, like because like that came out in 1984, correct? Yes, yes. So you know, it's been almost 40 years per se, and like it still holds up. Like it's it was really good. I loved it. Yeah, and you can see the influences in millions of movies. It's very Absolutely. influential. I mean, yeah, even it follows. Yeah, um, Wes Craven's yeah. a king of suburban horror. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of the guys do suburban horror. Like I'm thinking, you know, Romero. I think is a lot like it's small city and re- and rural sometimes. But like I'm just comparing them, and like I don't even think like a lot of the other directors take the time to be in that kind of suburban world, True. like the mother father kind of world. True. And, and Nightmare on Elm Street has a, a thing kind of like the Charlie Brown syndrome, where the parents are completely useless or like yes. ineffective. Yeah, um, they're there on like Charlie there. Brown, but yeah. they don't do anything. Yeah, um, the cast is pretty good as well. I would of agree. I would John agree. Saxon is my favorite. I'm a big John Saxon guy. Robert England became a star. Of course, you know he was a character actor before this in such horror films like Galaxy of Terror, Dead and Buried. He was in V. He was in Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper. So Robert England was destined to be a cult like kind of genre actor. Mm-hmm. But after he was Freddy Krueger, he became like his times Boris Karloff or Vincent Price, gotcha. which is very strange, you know, yeah. and crazy. But it's it's very unique. And yeah, different. absolutely. I mean, like, like again, I don't want to fill it in with as much Tim Bitchy Green and movie database because David Warner would have been possibly Freddy Krueger. That would have been a completely different movie. But uh, yeah, he's definitely a, a contributing factor to how great the film is. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. He's terrifying, and he's more yes, yeah. Because so. yeah. I honestly like when I think of Nightmare on Elm Street, like of course you think automatically Freddy Krueger. But I was kind of surprised how most of the film. He kind of was kind of hidden most of it. Well, which makes it more scary. It makes it scary. Like Pinhead in the original Hellraiser, yeah. the Cenobites are hidden. And then when they become front and center, they become like cash cows. They become mm-hmm. Doritos commercials. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. Freddy Krueger's a Dorito commercial. I'm going to thrill you too. So my advice to you is to stay ready. Because you know who's back. Freddy. Like, I'm curious to see if we go do more Nightmare on Elm Street by the time if we ever get to part four, you can just watch, like, Freddy put on sunglasses, legitimately, no exaggeration, and step on someone's head. Like, it's just so, it's so fun but silly, and just, like, it's just a weird thing that, like, Freddy Krueger was, like, almost, like, a friendly, like, monster to the kids, even though he basically was yeah. a child, child molester, question mark, mm-hmm. suggested, maybe. You know, just murdering the kids, it's well, fine. The idea I always suggested, like, people are like, he's not a child molester, he is, uh, he's a child murderer. I was like, but when he murdered the kids, there was definitely, definitely there a was, sexual... There's definitely sexual innuendos. Yeah. I mean, like, people that kill people... A lot of the times they do it for sex or money. Yeah. Just one or the other. You yeah. Know, or a little bit of both. A little bit of both, you know? Um, so it's like, I don't know too much to say. The I music. Hope you don't know. <laughs> the mu- I mean, I'm talking about the movie. I'm just. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we are by the heater, so it's basically the water heater. It's basically a boiler. But um, yeah, like the musical score to me is one that I feel mm. like has always been underrated in like the yes. big picture. Because people always are like, well, you got Halloween. 
got Friday the 13th and the right. big like tentpole you know franchises right. and I've always thought that Nightmare on Elm Street had the genuine like creepiness the it, subtleness that I would say absolutely I mean I like I said I'm really into like music so like even though I'm not super familiar with the films I'm really familiar with the soundtracks yeah. and Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely one of my favorites yeah. uh, from the entire decade I mean it's just it really is creepy but it still has that that 80 sound to it. I mean, it is from 1984, yeah. but it still holds up. It's still creepy. I yeah, love it. It definitely is very effective and different. Yeah. And it's just, it's not like the typical synth score. It's just very underlining and strange. Right. And this movie builds a really strong atmosphere. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not telling anyone that, that they don't know. And of course, the thing that I've always loved about the movie is you never really know when you go into the dream world. Exactly. Which like, is always a nice touch. Exactly. Exactly. You can play tricks on the audience, which is what I didn't like about the remake. I never even finished the remake. Really? Because like every time they go into a dream world, there's a sheen that crosses, and you're like, I, yeah, you're kind of so defeating you know. the purpose, yeah. of, like almost like you didn't get the original. And right. I, yeah. And I don't mind if they change things around, but sometimes when you like completely for negate what the original was scary, it yeah. just doesn't work yeah. for me. And, yeah. And I don't know if it's a horrible film. Like I know that I don't love all the sequels to this. Like I love two is good. I love three. I like four quite a bit. Five and six I don't care for. A new nightmare I do enjoy. So like, and, and I, it's been years since I watched Freddy vs. Jason. I probably could take it or leave it. Don't gotcha. Shit, right. Gotcha. Um, but no, as far as a franchise, it, it's just crazy to think. Also, think about this, right? When I was growing up, Freddy was the most popular, I think. And now Michael Myers is kind of, and Leatherface still have movies coming out. Yeah. Well, Jason and Freddy are like on the back burner. They're not having yeah. movies all the time. Fan right. films of Jason all the time. Yes. Yeah. So like, Michael Myers is going to get his 13th movie before Friday 13th does. It's just so weird. Yeah, to me. yeah. Because well, there was a remake of like the original, I think, of Friday the Thirteenth. Like, yeah, yeah, like, in like two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, nine yeah. or ten. Yeah, yeah. Right and that was time. the last one made. And that's yeah, crazy. that's the last that was the 12th one made. Yeah, you think that you get at least a thirteen with Friday? You know, it's been thirteen years. So you think? It's a long fucking time, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, as a whole, like I don't know too much to say about Nightmare on Elm Street, except that sometimes some people feel the ending falls apart. But when you're talking about the science of dream logic and the science of Freddy Krueger, yeah. it's very strange and yeah. iffy, and it's definitely a mind fucking. And knowing Wes Craven, it wasn't supposed to be a franchise. Sure. Um, yeah, I really and, appreciate how in the movie, like, they took like the dream world like logic, how like when the characters are running, they're like through slow the, running through the scene. Yeah, know? at one point in the book, like, like how nightmares are, you know? It's like is Tina poorly acting or is she or running she, like right, yeah. a dream? And you can't get away. And like the stairs was Robert Che, the producer's yes, idea. I love that. Wes Craven did not want to do that. I think Robert Che actually filmed that. Scene. I thought that was really smart. That was really creative. Because I think that was a nightmare he used to have. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's really cool. I really love seeing like how like just knowing like what went into like making special effects in like the eighties. Because now I mean we can do so many things today, but back then it's a little more challenging. Um, I imagine so. I mean, I wasn't there. Well, but yeah, I, I, I still think it's pretty cool. Well, the practical stuff, like you know, somebody had to make it. When you see it, yes, make exactly. it with a real eye, you're like, that's real. Because I was like looking at the part of like, all the fire. I'm like, that's real fire. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's dangerous. Yeah, that's not like computer generated at all. Yeah, that's real. Computer generated fire. Computer generated blood splatter. Look like shit. It, it looks so kind of do. It looks terrible. Yeah. Um, so, is there yeah. anything else you wanted to say about the movie? I mean, there's. I feel like we could like. Like walk Probably into a million, through. yeah, just yeah, keep going everything. on and on and just saying random things. Yeah. Of course, we should mention Johnny Depp being very young, having of one of the most the greatest death scenes of all time. Of course, of course. And like, there's a lot of details that like Wes Craven puts in there that make him a very cerebral director. Like I said, just the mm. simplicity of like the, the blades on the chalkboard, the sure. blades on the metal pipes. These are just things that upset you. 
subconsciously and consciously yes. um, the red and green sweater, like all right. sorts of little things yeah. like that to just make you actively uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's also one of the like few horror movies I can really think of like the top of my head, like reflecting that felt like it was like more realistic, even though we're talking with dream yeah. world logic, like because these teenagers were actually teenagers. Yes, you know, and like you know they're like still going to school, they're still doing these yes. things, and they're actually like. They look real. like teens too. And yes. They say Tina was fifteen. And, yeah, right. And uh, the the one thing that was crazy is like um, the burning is another one that they mm. actually look like kids. So yes. when they get killed, you're like, this kind of makes me. Kind of makes me all bad. Yeah, it's like oh yeah uh, yeah. So, it's a little different watching a thirty year old playing a yeah yeah getting killed. It's a little different funny. versus yeah yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of nice touches about the movie. Like mm -hmm. you see the little girls doing the skip the jump rope, yes, and you, the... you feel like they're trapped in Freddy's world because they were right. victims of his. Just lots right. of little stuff that you like, think, what are the? Oh, that's probably what those girls. Exactly are. right. Yeah. There's a lot. There's so much interpretation that could be done from this film. I think it's great. So, yeah. what is the song you decided to use? Okay. So the song I have decided to use is uh, uh, "If I Close My Eyes Forever." by uh, Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne. If I close my eyes forever Will it all remain the same? Sometimes it's hard to hold So we'll go into maybe why I chose this song, but some facts behind this song is that it peaked at number 8 on uh, the Billboard Hot 100 chart in the summer of 1989. Um, it's off of Lita's uh, first album, entitled Lita, um, and uh, it's also uh, Ozzy Osbourne's second uh, top 10 hit um, in his career, which is surprising to me. I figured he had a lot more in the higher up on the charts, but uh, second one, um, I think it's a only one to date um, that was never in the ten, uh, top ten. I mean, uh, yeah. So that's the song. <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me Ozzy Osbourne never had another top ten? Like Shot in the Dark? Like, Is that the '80s or, or um, Mr. Crawley? The only other one that he had, um, I think, is. Um, the Crazy Train song. Oh yeah, which yeah. is which is like yeah, everyone knows so, it. Like it's a fine song, but it's yes. like Highway to Hell by ACDC. It's like I never need to, or Hotel I'm, California by Eagle. I never, never need to hear, hear the song again. again. Never. But it's just it. yeah, but it's like that. It's exactly in the same loop as that. And like it was yeah, it's just catchy, so it got popular. So, um, I listened to the song. I I don't think I've ever heard this one. I know Lita Ford. What band was she in before? She was in The Runaways. Okay. With uh, Joan Jett. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I knew she was another band. The name was very familiar. Did she do a soundtrack and rock and roll? I'm not sure. I feel like she did Actually. a song and rock and roll. I, I don't quote me on that. But uh, so Ozzy, obviously, I love Ozzy. You know, I know like Killer Giant, mm -hmm. Shot in the Dark. Um, you know, all those songs like that that I enjoyed. Um, listening to it, I thought it was really well sung. But I, I noticed like a mixture of like obviously like if I sleep or if I keep my eyes closed or I wake up, do I change anything at all? So yeah. knowing if you have. Yeah. Any idea to be able to change things and, and a weird mixture of reality and fantasy is the only way I can really compare it to Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. but I don't know exactly where you're coming from on it. Sure. So, I mean, obviously that as well. I mean, yeah. there's an element of like, close my eyes forever, like dreaming, sleeping. Yes, yes, yes. we all get also that. Also death, which is Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, exactly. Um, but you can, all, I also see it as if you, you, if you take that song 
and you put it with various characters in the, in the movie, it can change everything in some ways. Like, for example, like Nancy's mom. If I close my eyes forever, might be dealing with her alcoholism. Yeah. Like, if I... Does it really matter if I stop drinking or not, you know? And there's obviously... Um, there's a line uh, that Ozzy's saying is like, what am I supposed to do with a child of tragedy? Um, and so, kind of might refer to her past in relation with uh, Freddie. Yeah. And how there's lots of trauma with that. And how it affected her life, which might be the reason why she's an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, you know, also, I can also see it kind of as a play, like, a uh, dialogue between Freddie and Nancy, in a way. Um, kind of going back and forth with each other. Like, well, what if, you know what, you, you kind of follow me? I guess you could go Glenn and uh, you could Nancy do that as, as well. well, but that's a little, because Glenn seems completely uninterested in almost 90% of anything that's happening. Glenn's kind of yeah, an idiot. he kind of is. But the but, idea you know, that what do you fine. do with Nancy because she's a child of trauma. In general, right. though, what do you do with a kid, a child of trauma? Yeah. And the parents are obviously trauma. And that's the thing, too, because they can look at the parents like, what am I supposed to do with this kid? Because, you know, like, you know, as the film goes on, you know, Nancy's mom's like, okay, I see what's going on. But her dad is kind of still, like, aloof to everything going on in a way. Um, but, you know, at the end, it has to be confront what's going on for real. But, you know, and um, it just kind of... Like I said, if you just put it in any other like character, it kind of changes the interpretation of the yeah. song for me. But yeah, um, and there's some other songs I was thinking of too of using, and I wanted to be like, there are some songs I wanted to use. I'm like, but I thought it was just too on the nose, which is fine. But I'm like, I want to be creative. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, but um, I'm trying to think of some other lyrics that really stood out to me in the song that made me choose this. I just kind of feel overall with the song, there's like a very darkness to the song and kind of questioning like morality and um i believe actually was it um glenn that says something about like morality in the big in the beginning of the movie shit sucks. I can't remember. You know, like, when they're staying over at Tina's house or whatever, and then he's just like, oh, like, oh, morality or whatever like that. Or, okay, I think you're right, but yeah. I'm not going to be able to quote so, it. So, okay. I can't quote it either. It was at the very beginning of the yeah. movie. But, yeah. So, thinking about that, there's, like, literal things, but I think also a lot of it's metaphorical, because I think the song is just very dark, and it um, can be interpreted in many ways. I mean, I've always interpreted it as, like, a song about potentially, like, suicide or about yeah, yeah. murder. I mean, not murder, but death. Um, and just so, giving up. Just giving up. And I'm sure at some point, because there was a point where Nancy's just like, I am crazy. Like, because, yeah. you know, she's trying to pull Freddie out into well, the real world. Yeah, and she they, just couldn't. They have the line in there, what is it, um, what it says something about, do I close my eyes or I just stay open? Does it even matter? It doesn't matter. And that's like, it reminds me of that Alcohol Anonymous line that um, sure. what Billy Pilgrim uses in Slaughterhouse-Five the entire time, right? Mm -hmm. I can't remember it. Give me the power to know, like the intelligence to know what I can change. I don't know the quote. I never went through Alcohol Anonymous. Give me time. Maybe I will have to eventually. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, Same. yeah, so uh, possibly like... Um, the only song that I thought of right away, just off the top of my head, just generic, is Talking in Your Sleep by The Romantics. Of course. Is it The Romantics? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's... Just... 
I thought about that one as well, of course. Right away, yeah. the song opens when you yes. close your eyes and you fall asleep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Also, I thought about that song too because you know, if you're talking, you're sleeping. These characters are obviously doing a little bit more than talking in their sleep. They're dying you know? Sleep. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I do the same thing when I dream. Yeah. Don't you? Don't you? Don't Actually, you? every time I'm about to die, I wake up. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of wish there was an element of that in the film a little bit, where it's like, oh shit. Well, they do. I mean, <laughs> well, they, they do stop actually themselves several times. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. If you die in mm-hmm. your sleep for real, you die. You know, that you can't yeah. wake up because Freddy's controlling the dreams. Right. Um, which brings me to Wes Craven making this. Like mm. I said, the, remember the Nightmare? I said he yeah. read that article in the paper. Yes. So yes. he like he's been a headline guy. He takes yeah. his stories right from the headline yeah. source. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some other songs I thought about. Um, I might be saying the title wrong because I think there's more to the title, but it's called Nightmares by um, the Motels. Um, it literally sounds like it's made for an 80s horror movie. It was never in one that I'm aware of, but if you heard it, it's like, you're in my nightmares, you're in my bad dreams. Um, it goes on to like, but I need you here holding me. Um, that's my biggest little dice because I don't think Nancy wants Freddie holding her. Freddie might want to. <laughs> Freddie might want to, you know? I know Tina doesn't want that, um, but yeah, um, another one I thought of is also called Nightmares by a Flock of Seagulls, and uh, the main lyric in that song that stands out, stands out to me, it's like, it, it goes like, Mama, Mama, I keep having nightmares, Yeah. and so in my way, it's like, I mean, obviously, the nightmare element of it, but also, it kind of talks about like the uh, relationship between Nancy and her mom, because uh, like, Clearly there's some beef there, you know, there's some unresolved issues there, but there's also that moment where there's like, the touching moments moments where they're taking care of each other, like, you know, we're going through something fucked up right now. You can see how the mom and dad deal with the situation way different. Like, John Saxon would have never, ever said anything to her, but I think he does at one point say, I killed Freddy Krueger, baby. He does say that, Freddy Krueger's dad at one point, but, yeah. so, so like, I, I mean, yeah, you can see the difference how the parents deal with it. There's a lot of good stuff going on in this movie. Um, it, it's not perfect, only for the fact that it's nightmare logic. Like sure, said, yeah. Like, so it's not, it does get very confusing, which like is part I, of the attraction. It goes. It's a pro and a con. It's a mind it's fog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, some precursors would be possibly the Slayer from '82, which made the video nasty. Later. It may shock you. It may frighten you more than you've ever been frightened before. Don't worry. It's only a maddening, horrifying nightmare. Um, and the Slayer is basically about a woman who has nightmares that come into fruition for real and like people that die in her dream. That's like a, it's not a, pro, a pro, premonition, self-fulfilled prophecy kind of in a way. Gotcha. Where she has her powers. Yeah. So you can see that in there. And then like, of course, people would say Phantasm, which I definitely can okay. see the nightmare logic. We're talking sure. about American horror. But then, like, a lot of European horror has been doing these weird mm. nightmare logic. But it's not the same way that Nightmare on Elm Street did it. It's not the rules of this boogeyman that was killed coming back for revenge. The idea of revenge, though, of... I know we're getting off the music thing. Of, That's all right. Of, uh, of somebody coming back and killing the kids is nothing new. Um, Christopher Lee does it in one of the Hammer Draculas. I think Taste the Blood of Dracula. He comes back and kills these people's kids that did him wrong. And then um, in another one, Vampire Circus is another Hammer film where the main vampire goes around and he kills all the people's kids when he comes back to get revenge. Mm. So it's like, I'll kill your fucking, your yeah. lineage. I'll yeah. do you one worse. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill, kill your kids. lineage. I'm yeah. going to prey on their fear. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we go into Stephen King's It, which is okay. just, according yes. to Quentin Tarantino, 
Nightmare on Elm Street with four pounds of cake frosting on it. Okay, actually, because, like, the first time I, I actually have seen it, I was like, isn't this basically just a Nightmare on Elm Street, but with a clown? Well, nonsense. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, with the yeah, monsters yeah, yeah, living yeah, off the, the fear, right? Fear, yeah, the fear. You give the fear the power and, you know, recreate those realities. Yeah, the living off your fears, yeah. So... I guess we're going to um, do uh, open up to questions and comments about it, if you have any, unless you want to say anything else, no? I do not have anything to say at this moment. So anybody wants to ask me or Brandon a question about this, uh, they can. But really what I want to know is, A, what kind of 80s movies, horror films do you want us to do next? I'm thinking something like The Beyond, Return of the Living Dead, something mm-hmm. along those lines, something weird. Demons would be a great okay. one if you've ever heard of Demons. Phenomenon. Um, that kind of stuff, or even something like Chopping Mall we can do. Yeah, yeah. But I also really want to know what song from the 80s you would match up with Nightmare on Elm Street and why. It can be analytically, it can be aesthetically, it can be any fucking reason you want. I just want to hear the song and I want to hear the reason. Um, I really appreciate you guys tuning in on this, and if you like it, let us know. Um, obviously, the lighting is supposed to be red and uh, green. I don't know how much the red's showing up, but hopefully enough. Um, <laughs> Uh, Did you enjoy yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We'll do another one. And do you want people to add you on Facebook or no? Or just more Instagram? Instagram or Facebook? Um, I do have both. Um, Instagram's a bit better. I'm more active on there. Um, Facebook is just what, it's just a copy from Instagram. Yeah, it's just Instagram. Yeah, so it's Nostalgia Mall, 1987. All one space. There's no underscores or anything. There'll be a link below and everything. And I'll cut in some clips. And I... If I'm feeling froggy, I don't know if I'll be able to do it, and maybe I get around the copyright. I was thinking of trying to make a music video with the song you chose in Nightmare on Elm Street. It'd be a lot of work, but I don't that, know if I'll yeah. do it because it's time-consuming, okay. and I, it's one of those things where you need to be really familiar with the source material and the song, sure. or otherwise sure. it's going to be a hack job. Well, maybe I can help you. Maybe we can. So All right, we can I appreciate you doing yeah. this, and you uh, until next time. Until I don't know how soon it's going to be. Maybe a month, maybe two months, May- maybe we'll ten years. May- yeah. Who well, knows? I'll come back. All right. Thank you. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Tina! What's the coroner got to say? He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street.